0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Defenseless Moments podcast. I'm Hunter Visser, and I'm here with Larry Wilson talking about Chapter 11 of his book, Defenseless Moments, A Different Perspective on Serious Injuries. Now, Chapter 11 is all about improving quality, production efficiency, and customer relations. And this one, it's a really big paradigm shift. But, Larry, you start with explaining a few more problems with deliberate risk. Yeah, um,
1: and thanks, Hunter. But the, the reason I needed to start... Uh, or if will that with the deliberate risk is because it's, it's what actually led into this paradigm shift, which, well, for me, I mean, as you said, it was huge for me. Um, I remember actually sitting there in the editing suite, just going, wow. I can't, can't believe I never saw that before. Wow.
0: Well, how about then, why don't you take us to the beginning and let's start from there. Okay, well,
1: as I mentioned at the uh, at the end of the last podcast and at the beginning of this this article or this chapter in the book, unfortunately, uh, the problems with deliberate risk don't end there, especially when you look at uh, rushing frustration, fatigue uh, on top of a certain baseline level of complacency. So one of the first things is, how people can become complacent about checking critical components that hardly ever fail. If you ask anybody riding a bike, are your brakes important? They'll say yes, especially if you're going down a hill. But the time to find out that your brakes don't work isn't when you're halfway down the big hill. Although I've heard some pretty amazing stories (laughs) from some survivors of uh, uh, of those events. So that's that's one aspect of it. Another aspect, which sort of leads right from there, is becoming complacent about checking or double-checking things. Like, for instance, what if you're going down the wrong couloir? Like I was talking about last what's the worst thing that could happen? Oh well, you could die. Um, so <laughs> how long does it take? How long does it take to check or, or to double check or to double check things? So now all you really have to do is think about well, when will other people make mistakes so they won't hurt you? Like for instance, um, you know, we all know that the transport truck can hurt you. Um Especially if you're driving a car and all you've got for protection is a dotted white line or maybe two white lines. But when you ask people how many transport trucks have you passed on autopilot, most people go, I don't know, hundreds, thousands, couldn't begin to count, right? And yet that's a time when we all acknowledge that you really need to have the benefit of your reflexes in case that truck moves suddenly or erratically. And even more ironic or, I don't know, potentially discouraging is that when you talk to a group of folks, I mean, you've got 100 people in the room, you'll get 50 people put their hands in the air. If you say, how many of you are here right now because you managed to just dodge that truck or you managed to jerk the steering wheel or get out of the way in time? And like I said, you get about half the people putting their hands up. And I said, if you didn't get that reflex, what would have happened? And they're all like, eh, not so good. Right, so um, we can anticipate the errors of other people so that they don't hurt us.
0: But you took the anticipating error concept way further than that. How did it happen? Well,
1: again, it's it's in the it's in the book, so I probably shouldn't be, uh, um, I wouldn't be stealing everything, all the thunder, if you will but in in the last chapter in this chapter the story behind it i think you almost had to put almost had to put it in um but in this case i was at a company we were doing just uh pr testimonial videos they'd done very very well with safe start uh four out of seven plants had gone i think two years without a recordable injury and so when we pulled up the office building. There's a side door. One of the ladies in the office saw us pull up. I mean, they all knew we were coming there to do the filming and which boardroom and where we were going to be. So she comes out and she opens up the side emergency door so that we can get all the lights and all the all the gear, the cameras and everything in. Um, it's a fair bit of stuff, even if you're just doing even if you're just doing interviews. She knew what we were doing, so. I felt just obligated, saying, hey, you know, she was very, very, very nice, shy. I said, would you like to be interviewed? Thinking that she would say no. And at first she did, well, no, I mean, she kind of thought about her hair. And she said, well, sure, okay. And then I was like, all right, well, now she's in customer service. She works, you know, on the phone with a computer at a desk. Um... So I just thought about asking her, you know, well, have you noticed that since you started working here, um, you and your co just making fewer mistakes since safe start? And she said, oh, well, I don't know. About, I don't know about them. But for me, she said, you know, every every time it's it, I mean, it's it's all unless I'm doing something new. She said it's always one of those. So. And again, as I said in the chapter, I I can't give myself much credit for this because it wasn't right away. It wasn't until I was editing this, I went, yeah, but how much time do you get to spend learning something new anymore, Larry? And one of the things about my job is that if I got a new idea and I got a new hunch, I can start asking people one on one one on two then i can ask a whole class then i can ask a couple classes then i can ask a hundred or so folks at a conference and then i can ask a thousand people at a keynote conference and i'm going to know exactly what percentage of hands are going to be up in the air right from those first couple of classes but sometimes you know right from the very beginning. And mm-hmm. this one was one of those right from the very beginning. You start asking people, how how much of your day do you get to spend doing something new? Or how's this going? <laughs> how's it going? Same old, same old. I mean, you can hear that in 66 <laughs> countries. So surprise, surprise, most of us aren't actually leading that thrilling a life when it comes to doing new stuff all the time but that also makes sense because you imagine if the plumber gets to your house and said i'm so excited this is the first toilet i've ever put in (laughs) well he might be excited but you're probably not too thrilled because you'd prefer somebody who's put in a couple hundred
0: toilets yeah certainly certainly not thrilled at full price
1: well, that's the, whole, that's the whole thing. In other words, you know, we want reliability, and reliability means you've done it a lot. And if you've done it a lot, then the chances are it's not new. And after a while, yeah, you get same old, same old, right? So it's not, it's not really too surprising that f- people freely admit 5 to 10% max of their, you know, of a week. Would they be doing something new? And when you really start thinking about how many things you can do on autopilot, it's almost a bit scary, right? So now you start thinking about, okay, so I never looked at it this way. Why would I, anybody, make mistakes if they know what they're doing? Well, And now you go rushing, frustration, fatigue, complacency. With a little bit of extreme joy and a little bit of extreme sorrow. But that's hardly daily. I mean, it's not Christmas or your birthday every day. And thankfully, we're not going to a funeral every day. But other than that, every mistake in my life other than when I was doing something new or learning something new is a combination of those four states. Oh, my gosh. And I remember just sitting there in the editing suite, going, wow. Everyone.
0: Yeah, that, that really was a big aha moment. I remember that was around the time when I first started working with you and it, it actually shifted the whole direction of your focus with Safe Start from just safety to actually going performance first and looking at what athletes were doing and how you could bring that back into the safety world.
1: Well, you're right. It it, it was right at – because we were bringing Safe Start into high-risk sports, but it wasn't for performance. It was for safety. Concussions in hockey and everything from concussions to blown knees to Achilles tendons to shoulders to you name it in freestyle skiing, as I said, well, you know – freestyle yeah. skiing is not free it's it's gonna cost you a knee or an ankle or a, you know a head or something but uh, the likelihood that you're gonna get out of that without an operation or without some serious concussions is pretty statistically almost almost zero um so yeah we we were doing it for safety but when this started hitting me now i started looking at at all of the if you will the error component of sport where it wasn't skill where the guy just dropped the ball hit him right in the hands or hit him right in the numbers the guy missed an open net on a breakaway in hockey um the the fumble when nobody when nobody hit him in football the missed dunk on a breakaway in basketball Standing on the line when you throw the ball in. Too many men on the field. It just went on and on and on, right? And we were all like, every one of those is a combination of rushing, frustration, fatigue, and complacency. And then we started taking that into companies, and they actually started looking at the change in their KPIs, before and after safe start. And some of the statistics were just like a 53.5% decrease in cost per ton, 25 to 45% decrease in scrap rates. Um, GH metal solutions went from 11,000 defects per million, or 1,100 defects per million to 600. So, I mean, just some phenomenal improvements in other than safety, which all makes sense because if people start doing a better job of managing the rushing, frustration, fatigue, and complacency, they'll make fewer mistakes. And you're not trying to make any mistakes. So very likely some of those mistakes would be the injury-causing ones, line of fire, bounce, traction, grip if you're moving, or things around you're moving. But if line of fire, balance, traction, grip aren't in play, you can still make mistakes that can cost you a lot of money or waste a lot of time just sitting at your desk and at your computer. And we've all done it. (laughs) Um, I've got some in mind that kind of sting. Oh, well, you know, buying things in a rush, I mean, it goes on and on, right? You know, so... It it Really, when you look at how significant this paradigm shift is, and it is for everybody that sort of sees it, and then you realize, how could I miss this? I mean, really, it's not like (laughs) I only make one mistake a year, so, you know, it's only going to be so many, and I couldn't put the pattern together. I mean, how... 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 little mistakes a day if you're a normal person. I mean, we had so many opportunities to see it. And yet all you needed to do was that one little thing, right? Just be able to separate out the when you are learning something new from that you already knew it. All you had to do is think about that and then say, well then why would you make mistakes if you already knew it? There's not that much. There's not that much out there. It's just those four, you know, you pay attention to those four states.
0: Well, and what's really interesting is that if you know safe start, then you can take those four states and apply the certs to more than just safety, but you can apply it to any error.
1: Well, exactly. That's the, the, that was the next part, which is that you, you didn't need any new solution now. You already had that. All you need to do now is just try to focus it a bit more. So instead of, okay, where is there going to be some hazardous energy that could actually hurt me, that I wouldn't be paying attention to as much? Now all you got to do is think about, okay, what kind of expensive mistakes could I make? if rushing, frustration, fatigue, and complacency were involved. Now, this next part, though, Hunter, the next part where you carry it one further and you go, okay, so we got the pattern now for all the air, the four states to the four airs. The airs, almost by definition, are unpredictable. I mean, if you knew you were going to lose your passport tomorrow, chances are tomorrow you wouldn't lose your passport.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But if I said to you, what states would likely cause you to lose your passport? You'd say, well, complacency for sure would be part of it, baseline. Um, you know, lost your passport two weeks ago, probably wouldn't matter what happened, you wouldn't lose it <laughs> for a while. But... Um, they might not give you a new one for a while, either. <laughs> but um, I do remember them telling me once that if you lose it again, this was when I was in my twenties, we're not giving you another one, which wasn't good because I wasn't. I was living in the United States at the time. But anyhow, I digress. the The reality of it all is the errors are unpredictable, but the states that cause them are very predictable, and now, if I say to you, when are you likely going to be in a rut? Now, and this is where you gotta limit it though. Limit it to the next 24 hours so that the time frame is realistic and say, now in the next 24 hours, when are you likely going to be in a rush? When are you likely going to be frustrated? When are you likely going to be tired? And when are you going to become complacent? And you can probably, just like anybody else, nail that within five to ten minutes. I'll be in a rush in the morning if you're person that doesn't typically get up early in the morning Um, i'll be tired around three o'clock in the afternoon i will likely be complacent doing this drive home because i've done it the same way for 10 years so it's and i'm usually driving home around five o'clock and i usually get frustrated with the traffic right around the interchange of 101 and 405 so You can actually anticipate when the states, if you think about rate your state, when you're likely going to have a bunch of sevens, eights, and nines, all on the same time. And then you just think, okay, when's that going to be? And then you set an alarm on your phone or in the app, if you want, and it just to rate your state at that time. And so now you've actually got full circle ability to defeat your reticular activation system. And it's as simple as saying, Siri, remind me to rate my state at 445 this afternoon. And that's all you get. You you, you don't even have to pull a card out or anything. You just have to think rushing, frustration, fatigue, complacency. Where am I at? Check in with yourself. Self-trigger basically is what it is. And, Bring yourself back to the moment, and you will likely have eliminated that defenseless moment that could have been actually really bad. It's like I tell the kids, you know, you you don't have to do much. (laughs) You you don't have to do much to beat Mr. Complacency, but if you do nothing, he'll beat you every time.
0: (laughs) But, Larry, just knowing personally about Rate Your State and anticipating error and understanding how to use it, do you think that's actually enough to get people to move forward and actually put these things into practice.
1: Well, it would be, it would be great. And you're going to get a certain percentage of people that will take the knowledge uh, and move with it. But, um, I think we all know that, you know, unless the knowledge actually gets put into action, um, it's not going to be nearly as useful. And so that's sort of leads. It's like, so we're going to need to engage the, the people, engage the workforce, which, which sort of leads us into the next chapter or one of the paradigm shifts in the next chapter.
0: Yeah, in the next chapter, it has two paradigm shifts. The first one is what really causes rushing. And the second one where we we're just getting to is um, the easiest way to get to meaningful engagement.
1: Yeah, the easiest way to get to meaningful engagement. I certainly wish I had have known this in 25 years ago when I got into the 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 safety business especially out there you know communicating with employees on the shop floor would have been so much you know i remember even when i figured it out go well you know this really would have been handy when you started out oh well um <laughs> uh too bad but at least you know at least for folks going forward you can you can pass you can pass that on so much so much easier uh so much better and and the communication sewing going so much more really and honestly really really uh, like I said (laughs) would have been would have been handy to have that one starting out that's
0: for sure well Larry thank you so much for your time and thanks everybody for listening today we're talking about chapter 11 of Larry's new book Defenseless Moments and this chapter is all about improving quality production efficiency and customer relations and stay tuned for our final episode of the Defenseless Moments podcast where we talk about chapter 12 titled what really causes rushing, and a different perspective on employee engagement. Thank you so much for listening.